On Season 2, Episode 3 of The Goblin Trashmasters, we talk all about lineup theory and how to line up your deck against your opponent's deck, how your hand lines up against your opponent's hand, and how the ghost of your grandmother lines up against the ghost of my grandmother. Say hello, Ashley. My ghost grandma was a tree, like in the Pocahontas cartoon movie. That's just beyond the river mind-bending. Say hello, Anthony. My ghost grandma could cook food better than your ghost grandma. Bitch made all that food that the Lost Boys ate in that movie, Hook. Robin Williams is my ghost grandma. Let's talk some fucking trash. Yeah, I have to remind people that my gay parents got divorced whenever possible. Whenever it comes up organically. And sometimes when it doesn't. Because, Kyle, if I don't have a complicated home life I can complain about, how will my ribbon dancing routine ever have the authenticity (laughs) of my one classmate whose brother died in that fire? I mean, how can you compete with that? I could have not started the fire. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) he didn't start the fire no he definitely did (laughs) maybe allegedly Allegedly. (laughs) in minecraft in In minecraft Minecraft. definitely in minecraft (laughs) at a very notable restaurant in minecraft at the minecraft cafe i don't know i don't (laughs) play minecraft is there a cafe there no i mean you can make one i mean why not i'm gonna be honest maybe i'm just too old i don't get it Minecraft. What's the very notable cafe? The... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Ashley, explain. What's the very notable cafe in Minecraft? There's not a notable cafe in Minecraft. I was. So explain the joke. Can you explain? I was referring us? to something you, you that you may or may not that you may or may not have burned down, <laughs> like a real thing. We... And then I was saying in Minecraft. Oh, were we, we talking we... about that time I set the KFC on fire? Yeah, that. But oh, I said great. cafe okay. instead of restaurant. I should have said cafe. And, and it said smelled restaurant. like 11 herbs mm, and spices. I'm Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm just like a Parisian cafe. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. I'm going to go, in your honor, I'm going to walk into a KFC tomorrow, and I'm going to ask them <laughs> if they can do an Americano. Can you do an Americano? And they're going to say, what? And I'm just going to say, what about an avocado? <laughs> Can you do a Negroni Spagliato with the Prosecco in it? Oh, stunning. Charmed, I'm sure. Oh. Are we ever going to have one episode that doesn't just end up in me being no. wasted? No. Well, I don't know. I think that's mostly up to you. Is it? Okay. Okay, can we can we maybe go to the three minute mark before you call Kentucky Fried Chicken a cafe? <laughs> Kentucky what Fried are, Cafe. <laughs> what are we supposed to What are we supposed to do with that? Do we just leave that there? Because I feel like the listeners have an expectation that we can't let that slide. Like when Kyle said that he was a big component of something, <laughs> we didn't let that slide. We can't. I still can am I? a big component of that thing. <laughs> And I encourage you all to do the same to me. It'll just be hard because uh, you need to, I need to make a mistake and you need to catch it. And then you need to come up with something funny to say. Rude. Can we just edit cricket I just noises said, in right there? I just, I, uh, yeah, I'll <laughs> definitely do that. I'll, I'll, I'll edit those cricket noises in. I tried. That was You understand the cricket noises would be bad for you. That was me lobbing you a softball to roast me on something. And just everyone stared blankly. Because we couldn't think of anything, you ass. (laughs) I mean, I feel like that's kind of proving my point. Yeah, that's why we're mad. (laughs) What if I intentionally made an... I'm going to intentionally make three roastable errors over the course of this episode. And And you all can find them. And listeners... You can find them as well. I'll list out what my intentional errors were in the show notes. That way, when you catch them and my co-hosts don't, you can feel superior. 
This is going to be like in the good place where they're like, we found the three clues you left. And they're like, actually, we left 1,452. Yep. It's going to be. Yep. That's the. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly going to be that. like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whenever I make one of these intentional mistakes, uh, I'll go ahead and edit in a little uh, buzzer sound or something that you can tell. So I think the main thing here is that if we could take the entire contents of this episode and spread them out and look at them all simultaneously, then I think that would make that would be an amazing magical power that you all could have that would make it easy for you to kind of pick out what the bad thing was, what the mistake or error was, and then decide this is how I should respond to it. Now, while it's not possible for us to do something like that in a spoken medium, we can do that mentally in a game of magic. What we're talking about here is the concept of lineup theory. And lineup theory is there to help you inform your long-term planning in a game of magic and line up your answers with your opponent's threats and line up your threats with your opponent's answers. That lets you inform your decisions and decide what should be used where. Lineup theory specifically is an older, it was much more common back in my day, a type of magic strategy that assumes that both players will see basically their entire decks. And the core principle of lineup theory is considering how you would line up your cards against your opponent's cards. So imagine we take two decks of magic, flip them face up and spread them out. You then take your doom blade and you put it with your opponent's big creature. You're like, yeah, that's the creature I want a doom blade. And then you take your two damage spell and line it up with your opponent's two toughness creature. And you say, that's the place I want to do that. on." You line them all up and then look at the things that aren't that don't have a partner that don't have something lined up against them. Whoever has the more powerful threats left over after everything's been lined up in the most efficient way uh, possible is said to have the lineup advantage. When you hear me say stuff like such and such is infrastructurally advantaged against another deck, a lot of the time I'm talking of like a it's a pretty similar concept to a lineup theory is that your scams answers for the one ring are fewer than the number of copies of the one ring that I have in four color Omnath. I bet you that that infrastructural advantage would also kind of pan out if we were to look at it as a lineup advantage. Mm -hmm. And that's also the basis of how you're finding favored decks and matchups, right? Kind of. This is a way that a deck can be favored, right? Mm. This is certainly a method that a deck can be favored. If something has the lineup advantage, it's pretty reasonable to be like, that deck might be favored. But Keep in mind, lineup theory doesn't matter so much for matchups that include like at least one linear deck with high redundancy like burn. For example, lineup theory doesn't fucking matter there because mm -hmm. the game's going to be over one way or another before you have a chance to line up all your cards in your deck with all the threats in their deck. You're mostly okay. kind of trying to line up your hand with their hand, but you don't really have any way of having that information like you do lining up your deck against their deck because when you're lining up decks you kind of know what your opponent's playing can figure out what your opponent's playing and do this mental lineup there okay this lineup advantage kind of hints towards inevitability in a matchup inevitability could give you a favored matchup usually in like control mirrors figuring out who has inevitability matters inevitability is a term that is used to describe who would win in a game if everyone had unlimited resources sound related because it is lineup theory exists to help you conceptualize who has inevitability? Yeah. And we talked, based on Ashley's question, when is like not a good time to use lineup theory? Mm -hmm. There are times where it's good to use lineup theory. Matchups that run long or matchups that are threat light. I liked last season's modern, the Murktide mirror was like, mm -hmm. I felt like 60% of the game's lineup theory was like super relevant. And like once somebody Agreed. survived the initial onslaught of the Ragavans and the Darcys, we switch into a lineup theory situation where your spell pierces have an expiration date and you want to line up your spell pierce with the best thing you can before it becomes useless kind of deal. Okay. So what kind of advantages does lineup theory have? It's like, yeah, if you if you've lined up your answers with your opponent's threats, then you know what answer you need to use in a given scenario. Like our first mm -hmm. example we were talking about, your seven seven thorn elemental. I want to line that up with my freaking Doom Blade. 
and I want your two two grizzly bears, I want to line that up with my shock, right? Yeah. I don't want to use the doom blade on your grizzly bear because mm-hmm. then that means that my shock lines up with your seven seven thorn elemental. I do not know why I'm using exclusively seventh edition printing cards <laughs> to describe this. This is Be- because you're you. Um, and that's why <laughs> and we love seventh you. edition was last year. Yeah. But seventh um, edition was a year ago. So leave me alone. A, a, an example for like modern and modern season would just be using probably lightning more bolt. helpful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, using lightning bolts on a delighted halfling instead of unholy heat because unholy heat will be a removal spell that you can use for a Yawgmoth later down the road. Or it's like using terminate uh, instead of fatal push and vice versa. You want to use a terminate on like a fury, a solitude, uh, you know, or a grief instead of, you know, let's say a Ragavan or an Orcus Bowmaster and use the fatal push on, you know, the, the one ones or the two twos. Yeah, absolutely. You just want to make sure you're lining up things as well as you can. Like if you've got an unholy heat and you don't have delirium, you probably want like if you don't have delirium yet, you're probably good using it on like Anissa Ascendant Animist or something like that early on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what if you can't wait to use those? Like if you have a threat that you're just like, all right, I, I could save this, but I need to use it here. So the main problem I have with the lineup theory as your only tool is that both players don't actually have infinite resources. Uh, You have to have a card in your hand and have mana to pay for it, right? Mm. You can't let a Ragavan hit you six times while you have a Terminate in your hand that you can cast because you need to save it for their Murktide. Sometimes you or your opponent can't wait and you have to use an answer inefficiently. Um, You then, after you've used an answer in a way other than you would like to, you have to kind of mentally recalculate that lineup advantage and see if maybe now they have more Murktides than you have ways to answer Murktide and they have a lineup advantage now. It's interesting because there are games where like lineup theory, in the lineup theory matters games, Mm -hmm. trying to force your opponent into using an answer on the wrong threat to tip the lineup advantage in your favor is really just like a super cool thing. Like specifically in that Murktide mirror, in that Murktide mirror, I really want to force my opponent to use a counterspell on something that's not a Murktide. Mm-hmm. I'll give him a juicy target so that then I can resolve the Murktide. Or even if I don't resolve the next Murktide, say they have two counterspells. They were really wanting to save that counterspell for Murktide, and now they can't. So like kind of getting them to use it on something else is really neat. So what type of matchups does this usually happen in? Um, it doesn't happen nearly as often as it used to. It used to be super common, but decks are better at ending games now than they were 20 years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yet your average game doesn't go to turn 30 anymore. Control mirrors are a common type of matchup where this sort of thing gets applied. You both have very few threats and you both have a shit ton of answers. The control mirrors are just you have all the answers of the world, but you only have a certain amount of threats. And I feel like with lineup theory, whoever, once all the dust is settled, whoever has the most threats at the end lines mm-hmm. up, is, is line, lined up better to to win those games. Yeah, absolutely. So now with, uh, like like you said, where lineup theory was more something like back in older magic, I think you, you touched on this a little bit with, with what types of matchup this has come up in, or just explaining this segment, where was it mainly just because like the answers... To threats were have historically in the beginning or like say like the half or the first half of magic were just so much better than the threats and now we're like you look at the folk elementals mm-hmm. and stuff we're just the the threats and threats, answers, threats and answers yeah they're they're basically butting heads at this point so it's not so yeah. much of a concept that's in every game of magic i would say um it's not it's definitely not a thing in every game i know we mentioned that the games just don't go as long because cards yeah, are better yeah. at ending the game mm-hmm. but i would also say that what you're what you're saying is super accurate that like threats are, uh threats were so much worse than answers for a long time in the yeah. game mm-hmm. and that just kind of naturally kept the games going longer so i think i think we're on like adjacent points there but it's good that you kind of brought that one up specifically mm-hmm because yeah, lineup theory is always like it's weird because it's it, this is one thing where like I think I kind of understand it but like the more and more we talk about it I'm just like I'm not sure like I don't know there's just some some weird thing with this where I just it's not like fully clicking with me but I just still find it super super interesting and I I don't know well yeah 
imagine um imagine you are you're coaching a hockey game right mm-hmm. okay imagine you're coaching a hockey game and you've got your lineup and your opposing lineup and you kind of have specific players that you want to be guarding other specific players you want to choose who's who's sticking with who who's watching who okay and your opposing team is going to try and throw you off and switch it up so that they have favorable matchups instead mm-hmm. but that lineup theory is you have a lineup of you line up what you have against what your opponent has and you want it to and you want to see who's got the most leftover I, I do like that example that you can. It, it tracks in hockey and in basketball, but it's you think about it is it's the lineup theory is um, you're lining up cards against your opponents, but your starting seven in your hand of magic cards is your lineup, your actual lineup of players, and yeah. then how it lines up against the cards. It's like here, I I want Fatal Push matched up against Ragavan, and I want Terminate matched up against Murktide. And that's like a really good example, like because like right now we're exclusively talking about decks lining up, mm-hmm. line up your deck against your opponent's deck. You know what your opponent's deck list is and you know what your deck list is lining it up. Small scale, though, you can apply this concept at a much smaller rate to line up your hand against your opponent's hand. Mm-hmm. You know what you have. You know what your opponent has when you line them up the best way possible. Who has something left over? A good, I think a really good way to think about it has, have you ever played that 52 poker card game, game of war? Yeah. That, that's, that's honestly like kind of like where my brain went when I was, when I started researching this. Yeah. Super, super, super basic mm-hmm. game, right? You're just flipping a random thing off the top. No decision. Mm-hmm. If your number's higher, you take their card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now imagine we, instead of playing normal war, where we're both flipping the top card against our opponent's random top card. We turn our decks of cards over, spread them out, and then line them up the best possible way. We can see who's winning that game of war right then and there. Mm -hmm. That the winner would be the one with lineup advantage. If we were to replace those poker cards with magic cards. Okay. So when you're. Oh, go ahead, Ashley. Go ahead. I was going to say, so when you're, when you're saying something left over, are you saying they have the most threats left over, the most answers left over? Like what what part is left over there? Does that make the, sense? Yeah, if you're doing if you're doing division, the remainder is what's not being used to divide stuff. Okay. So if you have twelve threats and your opponent has eight answers, you're mm-hmm. gonna have four threats left over. Yeah. Okay. So like if you and I are gonna do like physically do a lineup. And mm-hmm. flip our decks over and spread them out. And I put my prismatic endings against the things of your deck that I want a prismatic ending. I put my um, uh, ley line binding against the things of yours that I want a ley line binding. Mm-hmm. And we line them up and we look. And I've got six removal spells left over. And then you line up your answers against my threats. And I have I have an Elish Norn and an Omnath and a Fury left over. I have the lineup advantage there. Given infinite time. My four color control deck is going to beat your blue red prowess deck. And yeah. that tracks with what we know about that, right? Because yep. if I have if given if I have all the time and resources I need, the the, the blue red prowess deck does not have inevitability in that matchup. The longer the game goes, the less likely prowess is to win. The longer the game goes, the more likely four color omnath is to win. Yeah. I see. Okay. In a control mirror. This is like a super common type of match where this gets applied. You both have very few threats and a whole lot of answers. So each person's goal right there is to try and force situations where you're using your answers as correctly and as much to the plan A as you can. And you want to force your opponent into situations where they're using their answers as inefficiently as possible, right? Mm-hmm. You really want to use your prismatic ending on their planeswalker so you can save the ley line binding for their shark typhoon if you have this mentally lined up and you have the choice in front of you you're not going to cast ley line binding on their renin six you're going to save the prismatic ending for it because you know you need the ley line binding to answer that shark typhoon now this is a pretty silly example right Mm. but it's entirely reasonable and because it's a control barrier your 
more likely to have the time and the choice of answers necessary for this to come up. Right. Yeah. You want to keep the um, removal that will get rid of the card that, you know, will end the game pretty quickly instead of just using on like Ren and six or Teferi in a, in a sense, sort of kind of, yeah. You want to line up your removal spells with your opponent's threats in a way that's useful. You can't prismatic ending their hard cast shark typhoon. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to use the ley line binding on their two drop planeswalker. Right? Yeah. Because then look, uh, you don't have a ley line binding in your hand and you're looking at it that you can't answer. Mm -hmm. So you want to save that prismatic ending for things that it can answer. Like uh, Ren and Six, depending on how wild they're getting. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Jace, yeah. the Mind Sculptor. Depending Jace, on Architect of Thought. Yeah. T-H-O-T. Uh, T-H-O-T. Um, you can save a prismatic ending for the Ashiok, the new five mana Ashiok, which I think might actually be playable. Or as a nice little callback, Elspeth Sun's champion. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. So I'd say with all the things we've been talking about, one thing to really consider, I, I guess, would be patience. Yes, it, it's, it hurts sometimes getting hit with a card because you want to give yourself another opportunity to draw the right spell. It sucks getting hit by that Dothy Voidwalker oh, because you really yeah. want to you, you. You're just like, I have the bolts but I know I need this bolt for something else. I really want to use this fire on the Dothy Voidwalker, not the bolt. So I'm going to wait, let untap, play my second land, and then fire the Dothy Voidwalker. It sucks, but being patient in that situation is something that really helps you. Now, we talked about, mostly we've talked about like deck versus deck lineups, right? Mm -hmm. Your deck versus your opponent's deck. You don't need to have an exact list. You can usually be kind of close um, and kind of have a good idea of what's going on. But you should be practice it with known decks in the format. If you're wanting to try and apply this yourself, think about it. Think about it. Line up the Yogmoth stock stock Yogmoth with stock scan. Line up stock Merktide against stock rhinos. Line up stock Tron against stock living it. Kind of play your own game of Magic Gathering War. You know, just yep. kind of basic as possible this archetype against this archetype and not only will i think that help you practice lineup theory but that'll also help you understand these matchups a little bit better so when we say when i when we're talking about like theory crafting matchups like this that's kind of a relevant thing right mm-hmm. like that's kind of what that's one of the ways we can kind of determine now like Tron is a linear game, right? And mm-hmm. it matters a bit more what's in your hand versus what's in their hand because you're not going to see all of your cards. You're not going to see a lot. It really, really the top 10 cards of your deck against Tron are, are what matters. So we can do a mini version. And this is super common. Like we talked about the deck for deck lineup is something that happens in like these long grindy games back and forth. The hand for hand lineup theory is something that happens. You should be doing that all the time. Yeah. So thinking about what is in your hand versus what's in your opponent's hand, it's much easier to do this under a very specific situation. I'm thinking of what's a really common way that you can apply lineup theory to with, with your hand to your opponent's hand. Thoughtsies? Thoughtsies. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you got perfect information. You got perfect information. So when you thoughtsies them, a good way to thoughtsies them, Kyle, why don't you take this one? You, you're... You are the thought sees man here. That, very true. Uh, and this is very important when you're thought seizing somebody. But thought sees, when you thought see someone, it isn't always about taking the best card. That may sound weird, but you know you, you don't always want to take the best card. If you have a Ren and Six coming down on turn two and your opponent has a one toughness creature and a prismatic ending, you can take the prismatic ending that can answer your Ren and leave them with a X one that your Ren can answer cleanly. So it's there might be a card that's inherently in a vacuum better than every other card in the hand. Mm-hmm. But picking the right card, the one that's going to mess up your game plan right now. And if you have another answer like that, Ren, that you can use at a later turn, it, it's you not just thinking, hey, I need to take the best card right now. I need to take the, the best card that helps me in turn two, three, four. That it's, it's out of the picture so I can continue my game plan further on within the match, within the game. Yeah, exactly. Your thought sees doesn't need to take their whole hand. 
It just needs to poke the one hole that you need mm -hmm. it to do. If you look and you have a bolt and a Renin six and your opponent has a Jace, the mind sculptor and a spell snare, you look at your hand and you say, oh, cool. Leave that Jace, the mind sculptor, take, take the, spell, the snare. spell snare, resolve my Renin six. Mm -hmm. yeah. My draw a card every turn planeswalker costs two mana Yours and doesn't four. die to bolt. <laughs> Yours does. Yeah. <laughs> That's a thought process that would have helped me a lot when I was playing Rakdos and had the chance to play Thoughtseize. This is super tempting to take the best yeah. card. Yeah. We <laughs> talked about it a little bit when you first picked it up, but mm -hmm. like I think we just identified that that's not where you were yeah. at that mm -hmm. time. I think you're probably a lot more ready for it now. Oh, for sure. Like that, I think so. I think you're in a spot where you're a little more ready for that sort of conversation. And yeah. and Thoughtseize, the card itself, like we could do a whole episode on just like Thoughtseize theory and how and to I'd play that card to. correctly and that that sounds fun to me like you said i'm i'm the thoughtsies dude you know yeah Overgrown i'd, I'd love forever. to do that <laughs> i just don't think we could responsibly do a whole episode on thoughtsies before we covered this concept first very Your true foundation mm -hmm. of what is lineup theory and how do you apply lineup theory to a deck then how do you apply lineup theory to a hand is really really cool and just like it's such a good foundation and we just assume that people are listening to this mostly in order i thought this was super interesting to to mm -hmm. tackle this as a topic and uh i guess we just have to do a shout out to reed duke uh and his article about this concept because yeah i mean reed duke released this, this article eight years ago eight year, yeah a while ago and on mtg salvation about it and it has been it still holds up like it's, it's still, still it's, it's still, still great. Up. Yeah. You don't use lineup theory nearly as often as you did in like Serendip of Freak Mirrors. Um, but you still you still have plenty of chances to use it mm -hmm. on deck to deck lineup theory. And you have a ton of chances to use it on hand to hand lineups. Very true. I, th I think especially now in this day and age of magic, the, the hand to hand lineup theory goes a, a very long way. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Here at the Goblin Trash Masters, we love competitive magic and we want to see it flourish. We know that there are tons of local game stores that want to run competitive events like RCQs, but might not have the resources or experience to be willing to try. Maybe they have tried, but they're a little nervous about getting back on that horse. We're excited to announce a new program all about Comp REL that we're calling the Comp REL Assistance Program, or CRAP for short. CRAP is there to help your small or medium LGS run Comp REL events like RCQs by providing them with support and materials necessary to run an outstanding event. Competitive integrity is our top priority, and we can help your store to break into the market of listeners like you. CRAP support involves either assisted hosting or remote consultation with our hosts who have a combined 23 years of tournament organizing experience. All participating stores receive a kit that contains everything they need to run a great and accurate event with things like an in-store event poster, table tents, deck registration sheets, and plenty of stickers and tokens to give out. Best of all, this assistance program is completely free of charge for your LGS and always will be. We offer assistance in the form of remote event planning via consultation or in-person hosting for stores within range of the Lexington, Kentucky area. Our goal is to do our part to support competitive magic not to try to make a profit off of your LGS. If you think that your LGS might be interested, have them reach out to us via our website. The instructions are available at www.thegoblintrashmasters.com slash crap. That's www.thegoblintrashmasters.com slash crap. Spelled C-R-A-P. Like how a child would say shit. Wait, that's been... That's been like that the whole fucking time. None of you fucking told me. We can't actually have this as the name. You know that, right? Everything's printed, bud. It's too late to change it. No, 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 no. We should call it something less awful. Like uh, the competitive unified nerd trading. Yeah, competitive unified nerd training. Yeah, that's way better. Jesus fucking Christ, you're both stupid. Who wants to do some guessing stuff? I always love guessing and spinning a wheel and being disappointing. Yeah. It's my it's my goal. It's my goal in life. 
<laughs> guessing game intro, sure. Yeah. We need a spinny wheel for a guessing game. We do. All right. We are going to guess cards that each of us have in our brains using cryptocurrents. Um, yes or no questions are the preferred method, unless you're Kyle. Instant or sorcery. <laughs> and I'm going to do it every time. And if you're Anthony, you like to give cryptocurrents that nobody can guess unless you've played Magic 20 years ago. <laughs> what are you talking about? That was yesterday. I'm just the personification <laughs> of old man yells at cloud. <laughs> yes. And, of course, our topic today for our guessing game is favorite card that we have used lineup theory on or that we plan to use lineup theory on. That make us think about this lineup theory. How does our threats line up with our opponent's answers? And how do our answers line up with our opponent's threats? All that good stuff. I've got my pick. Do you have your pick? I've got mine. I got right. it. All right. Well, for once, the wheel has landed on me first. The wheel Yay! has spoken. You know, <laughs> I don't know that it's ever been you, but it's me way too large of a percentage of the time. It just likes A's. Yeah. My, <laughs> my card has been functionally reprinted in a way that allows you to cord for it rather than were for it. Cord for it? Versus so cord you can you can play cord of calling cord of for calling. it instead of were for invention because it's been reprinted a bunch. It's been functionally functionally. Reprinted. So it is not the same card, but it does a very similar effect. So it's a functional reprint. And I can tell you that the reason I like this is because I liked this in the old blue white colonnade mirrors. So it's an artifact that was functionally reprinted into a creature. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's good okay. in the colonnade mirror. So blue white, blue white control mirror, basically. Yeah. Blue okay. white X. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Is it one mana? No. Hmm. Is it a permanent? I yes. assume it's a permanent. Yes. Because of the were in the cord. So it is a permanent. You can wargate for it as well. If we're talking about three X ways <laughs> to get it into play. Yes. So oh it's gosh. it's a permanent. It's a it's a creature, right? The card I'm picking is not a creature. Okay, but it was functionally reprinted. That same effect was printed onto a creature as well. Many years later. Um, oh, this is a toughie. It's good in the blue. So, um, not a creature. Artifact. Has it is artifact. an artifact. Yes. Okay. It's not it one mana. Work. Now you mentioned the colonnade mirrors. Yeah. So it, does it affect colonnade the card itself? I'm going to say no. Okay. But I'm going to also let, because it was such a good question, I'm also going to say not directly itself. Does it cost two mana? No. Three mana. Yes. Okay. A three mana artifact kind of affects colonnade. <laughs> My God. Um. Three mana artifact. And it was reprinted. The effect was re reprinted on a creature. That same uh, that same rules text on the card I'm talking about was reprinted on a creature. When was the creature? Uh, was the creature printed within the last five years? I, I just I want to say yes, but I have to <laughs> check on that. Because <laughs> <laughs> maybe that can narrow it down. Yeah, exactly. God, this is so difficult. It's a three mana so, artifact. Three mana artifact. You want to tutor. Well, you can tutor. Or you can't. It's tutor, more. Yeah. It, it's good in a certain matchup, but it was the effect was also on a creature that was printed at some time in the future. You said it was less than how many years? Five. five. It's pretty close to exactly five years. Oh shit! So like 2017, 18, around that. Yeah. Ugh. Oh my gosh, this is hard. God, what sets came out in 2018? <laughs> Mm. Oh my god. Um does it like affect activated abilities? It does not. Okay. Although I don't I I, I appreciate you putting me on mana web. <laughs> <laughs> Print Sabo's web into modern, you cowards. Oh my Do god. it. Oh my god, that'd be so cool. <laughs> it would be so awesome. <laughs> I oh my god. 
Uh, I don't. I have no idea. I'm I'm stumped. Like I got. Nothing. You can ask yes or no questions about it. So. I know. I know. I know. Stop yelling. So far, you guys have gotten it's an artifact and it's three mana. I know. We're really bad at this. <laughs> like <laughs> we can ask yes or no questions about the card. Like just as a as a magic it, card goes, and it can, doesn't affect we, activated abilities. Yep. Does it have an activated ability? Nope. Does it Does it make things cost more? No. That's. No, it's not gonna be something. Um, I'm trying to think of like effects that would be on on artifacts. Just like narrow it down. I'm just going through. I'll give my you another wishboard. <laughs> what was that? I'm just going through my car and wishboard, and I can't think of anything. That's not a bad bet. So it, w- it would be in a car and wishboard package. Yeah, if you're kind of a weirdo. <laughs> you're kind of a weirdo. I can tell you. That if this card were only printed in its original printing and never again, it would still be modern legal. But only barely. So like 8th edition printing? Like, or? Oh, it's not far from that. It's original printing is not far from that at all. Okay, so like right on the cutoff. Mm -hmm. And its most recent printing was last year. Does it stop? Creatures from attacking? Nope. It's not that. Three mana, is it colorless mana? Or is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's generic. Okay. The, okay. the mana cost is three. Good does, question, though. Does it make everything cost three? No, it's not Trinisphere. <laughs> Trinis- I feel like Trinisphere would not be super great in a. No. <laughs> nah, not, because everyone has really. their mana, something to spend their mana on. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it would be spicy if somebody played it in a Karn. Wish package deck. It's happened plenty of times. Okay. There, but like it's always been right on the fringe. What's the card that Anthony always gets mad about being in the Karn wish board? Is that the one? That's that's God, God Pharaoh statue. statue. That costs six mana. Oh, that's yeah. Then. And its first printing was not mm. in Fifth Dawn. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Oh fuck. Oh my god. That kind of helps. I'm going to feel real dumb, aren't I? I think it's a really short list of three mana artifacts that were first printed in Darksteel. Or Fifth Dawn, I should say. So it was printed in Fifth Dawn? Yeah. Is is it the one with the Leonin on, in the art where you gain life or whatever? Nope. No. Hmm. Oh my god. <laughs> what does this artifact want to do? The answer's in here somewhere, and we can't find it. Yep. Carnwish Ward. What are what are um keywords, Kyle, that end up on artifacts? That's one of them, right? That was one. Of I will clues. give you a hint because that's a really good line of thought. Mm-hmm. There are no keywords on this card. Okay. Okay, so it's just a line of line of text. It it, it does something. Hmm. Mm. This card does this. <laughs> you said this was good in the colonnade decks. It's good what? in the mirror. In the mirror? It was okay. good in the colonnade mirror. mirror yeah. what, this is where what, I lined it up. What did the colonnade decks do? They just blew each control. other to death with colonnade. Yeah. Celestial colonnade. <laughs> okay. They were, just, they were just control mirrors. Okay. So I'm looking at Fifth Dawn, three mana colorless artifacts that do not have keywords on them. Mm-hmm. And I see one, two, three... Oh my god. Uh, so it doesn't it doesn't have an activated ability though. It does not have an activated ability. Yeah, not the Dalkin shackles. Although that is a very good guess. Yeah. <laughs> the I was like, shackles uh... would be a very good guess, but also the Dal- uh, but this card was printed as recently reprinted as recently as a year ago. But it does not have an activated ability either. You are correct. So, that is now that has limited it down to one, two, three possible cards. Are lands involved with the yes. text? Is it Crucible of Worlds? It sure is. Oh my god, I feel like a fucking idiot. <laughs> oh my god, because all of all of your hints were perfect for that card. I just forgot about it. Oh, so yeah. I haven't you... thought about that card since Commander. I That's why I tried to years. give you all the Ramanop Excavator hint. Yeah, yeah. I love both uh, those cards. Uh, oh. Because 
I, I felt like that was a hint that would help get Ashley in because mm-hmm. Ramanop Excavator lets you play two Crucible of Worlds in your deck that really wanted it. Yep. Yeah. Oh man. You That's, you just that was that was a rough one. That was whew, I was I was man, no one. All right, I guess the Yeah, one... <laughs> I feel like I feel like at one point we forgot to just like I feel like we forgot how to how to play the game for a minute there. Oh, a hundred percent. I forgot how like, to ask questions. Like, <laughs> like, ah, like. I mean, we weren't even like, does this card have two words in the title? Kind of question. Like, <laughs> what's was this card printed before? Is this card legal in Legacy? Is this card legal in Pioneer? Um. <laughs> oh. Man, but I really though. liked I really liked lining up my threats and their answers in that mirror and realizing that nobody had a way to answer a resolved artifact. Mm-hmm. Mm. And also understanding that my ghost quarter got to line up against all of their colonnades. Mm. And my col- my one colonnade got to line up against all of their ghost quarters. Your colonnade beats were forever. <laughs> because they would ghost quarter the colonnade and I'd be like, ha crucible play the colonnade go guess who's back <laughs> so that was my pick i really did like that sort of thing we ready to have someone else give it a guess oh yeah i guess the the, the rest of us have to, to do this too <laughs> i'm spinning the wheel nope i can't i used all my mental energy on the other one <laughs> <laughs> it's kyle it's a me do you remember what your card is kyle I honestly don't remember who I am. What? Who? Who's this <laughs> Kyle you speak of? <laughs> okay. Uh, this card has a keyword that has not been printed on a card since I believe Tempest, and they are not going to print it into Standard ever, or probably on any other card. And it was showcased at a recent Pro Tour. Is it weather the storm? No, but, but could guess. The, the, the but the but the the mechanic is storm, correct? No, because oh, as a, really? As a, as okay. a tempest, not um, uh, scourge. Scourge was before. No, scourge was after. Tempest was with like you're right, you're right, with you're like right. Uh, lotus is... petal and stuff. That's right. Seth is invasion years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it hasn't been reprinted. This mechanic hasn't been reprinted since Tempest. I believe so. not going to reprint it in standard again. It starts with an S. You had the first letter correct. Oh, the mechanic starts with an S. Yes, S mechanic. Um, does the I want to focus in on the mechanic first? I think sure, a good way to go about it. Does the mechanic interact with the graveyard in any way? No. Is the mechanic splice onto arcane? (laughs) 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 I caught that one coming out of my mouth as soon as I said it. I was like, nope, I can't believe that is incorrect. It is not that, but I love it. You could tell I was so fucking proud of it, too. I was just like, I got this shit. I said, nope, that's horrible, horribly wrong. No, 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 no. (laughs) You were very far away from you. you, That was Kamigawa. You landed that helicopter. You thought you landed that helicopter right on the helipad, but you landed it very far away on incorrect island. <laughs> you Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> oh, is the new category weirdest things uh, you've had said to you during sex? <laughs> That's for another time. This is a guessing game. Focus. <laughs> so, mechanic begins with an S, doesn't have anything to do with the graveyard. Um, but this card kind of impacts the graveyard. Or, no, it okay. doesn't. It does impact the graveyard. But the mechanic. The mechanic does not. Um, does the mechanic put copies of a spell onto the stack in any way? No. Or, let me rephrase this. Would it be, am I, it's mecha- is a mechanic or keyword? Would lifelink be considered a mechanic or a keyword? Keyword. Never mind. It's not a mechanic. It's a keyword. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So, okay. we've got a Keyword that begins with S that oh shadow correct oh okay. it's Dothy Voidwalker it is Dothy Voidwalker okay great 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 <laughs> love it now I, I specifically Jacob Beardsley in the finals of the Pro Tour 
realizing what the matchup was. He was on the play, and instead of playing his Thoughtseize turn one, he held it because he had the Dothy Voidwalker and realized he can get more value from that. I, like, that's, now correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of what, where my mind was when I was thinking about Dothy Voidwalker. And, you know, how it lines up against graveyard decks, the clock, it just does all, all the things. Yeah, that's great. I really like it because you get to kind of, you get to kind of jump the line and it like helps you recalculate your lineup against your opponent's deck mm -hmm. because like scam inherently kind of lines up like the lineup for scam, like scam does not have the lineup advantage against Tron. It probably has the advantage overall mm -hmm. in, in the matchup, but, but the, the lineup, lineup advantage, yeah. if everybody gets to cast all their spells, Tron's winning that game. So Scam, in addition to having the general matchup advantage in which they can poke the holes in Tron's game plan mm -hmm. and make it so they don't get to cast their spells, it also can use Dothy Voidwalker to just kind of reach in and grab and rip the, the lineup advantage away from Tron. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's really cool. Just uh, another sports reference and specifically a basketball reference. Uh, Dothy Voidwalker is the Pistons in the finals and Tron is, or just Scam is the Pistons in the finals and Tron is the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> I know Ashley completely understood that. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. That leaves. Well, wait, maybe we, we, we should, we should move into a topic. We should use a topic as an example that Ashley can more meaningfully engage with. True. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, like no. maybe we can use like, our parents not there it is to talk to us anymore as an example there it is Magic <laughs> knew it was gonna be something fucking horrible <laughs> i will not apologize for being a gay witch i'm sorry nor, you nor should not want you to. <laughs> where else am i supposed to get the kombucha <laughs> also i do have to say that ashley has absolutely humored me with some of her baking stuff in which i have mm -hmm. i have just said frankly absurd combinations of things that should not be in a cookie <laughs> that she has just she has just arrived with cookies of matching that description for me which has been wild what was it i got that one year for my birthday i got those bird's eye chili and cardamom cookies mm -hmm. they were delicious no God other damn. human being on the planet would possibly want to eat them i can't imagine no but he was so happy they were so good they were a, a shortbread cookie with nice spices in it and uh drizzle and then on the drizzle there for the ones for anthony just had a whole bird's eye chili on them um but for normal people <laughs> i just kind of crunched it up a little to give it a little spice you know <laughs> so good yeah, it sounds sounds pretty pretty great <laughs> i mean i i can't eat it because i got a bum tum but you know like it sounds delicious it's just it me and my upset tummy against the cookie. world yeah i bet yeah if you just got the good. whole thing all right. And Ashley, you it are leaves up. leaves me. I get to give an actual cryptic hint this time. Ooh. But not so cryptic. I like this card to line up against Dothy Voidwalker. Is it? Oh, my God. Um, the, the sorcery speed shock that ring tempts you? Yep. Rangers something. Help me, Kyle. <laughs> uh, uh, um, oh, shit. Rangers firebrand. I Thank yeah. God, I was going to yes. keep, my brain was going to keep saying, it's Ranger's Guile, it's Ranger's Guile, it's Ranger's Guile, Anthony. It's Ranger's Guile. Oh my God, you should incorrect. just, you should just get like, oh, you should just get a generic techno beep and just put that over it and it goes on forever. It's Ranger's Guile, it's Ranger's Guile. <laughs> I, I can't help that I'm naturally melodic. <laughs> but I do like Ranger's Firebrand. Yes, I really, really I, do like that I card. Love this, I love this card. Especially um, with uh, the Ring Tempting and Dreadhorde. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very um, good. Yeah, be because it's two toughness, and you really want to save your bolts for mm -hmm. there are three toughness creatures. So mm -hmm. you really want to use that firebrand on the thing that's going to have two toughness. Yep. You want to save your bolts for either three toughness creatures or ragavans that are getting dashed. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to use your bolt on something and then get hit with a dashed ragavan with your sorcery speed removal spell in hand. Right. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I like this one. That's a, that's a, I think that's a, I think that's a great example. That's a good. So, in addition to being in the show notes, we are going to go over the three false things that I said that my <laughs> co-host missed right now. We're going to do it. Let's see how dumb we are. And you can say, now, here's the deal. Here's the funny thing, is that these are the three intentional mistakes I made. Let's see if I made some more. So, 
we are also going to include a we're also going to include a little interact on this episode so that you can share how many mistakes I actually made. These are the three intentional ones. The first one is I talked about using a non-delirious unholy heat on Nissa, the 3-3 Nissa. That would not, in fact, kill her. That is not a good lineup to make. You don't want to line up your two damage spell against your opponent's three toughness creatures. The second one is I talked about using a prismatic ending on Elspeth's Sun's Champion, which costs six mana. There are not six colors of magic, so prismatic ending would never be able to exile on Elspeth's Sun's Champion. And the last one, maybe a bit of a cheap one, but Reed Duke did not release his article on MTG Salvation. He released it, I believe it was on Channel Fireball. Um, I'm pretty sure he released it um, on the Magic website. Oh yeah, on like the actual Magic website itself? Yeah, because that's where I read it. That's where you read it? Mm-hmm. Very cool, very cool. So that was three opportunities my co-hosts had to call me an idiot. Well, first off, even when I know I'm right, I don't do that because you intimidate me. <laughs> um, and se- se- secondly, I have the worst ADHD, so I'm more focused on the next fucking thing I have to to read. So I am not paying attention to what you're saying. So, yes, this is the most long and convoluted way of Anthony uh, having myself call myself stupid. <laughs> so, yeah, you just did the greatest joke, you asshole. Fuck, <laughs> why do I hang out with you people? <laughs> what do I do? I don't know. Yeah, Ashley, this is your fault. You know what? You killed that dog, and I'm still mad you about it. You killed that fucking dog. You, it's on the trophy forever, so everyone. You know, when, when the lizard people take over, and they're going through all the remains of the dying world, they'd be like, hey, Ashley killed that dog, and they dump into the vat of acid, and they move on. Why couldn't you have turned this ire on Anthony earlier? I don't Because know. you did this. Because this it's, all, it's all my fault. Of course it is. I'm going home. It's Ranger style. It's Ranger style. It's Ranger style. It's Ranger style. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like and subscribe. It helps us out a ton and makes it easier for other players like you to hear what we have to say. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, Peanut.fm, and iHeartRadio. One of those was not real, but we'll never tell. It was Peanut, wasn't it? Oh, shut the fuck up.